Chapter Two: The Man Whom the Trees Loved by Algernon Blackwood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Man Whom the Trees Loved by Algernon Blackwood. Chapter Two. Sanderson accordingly came down, and on the whole, his short visit was a success. Why he came at all was a mystery to those who heard of it, for he never paid visits and was certainly not the kind of man to court a customer. There must have been something in Bittacy he liked. Mrs. Bittacy was glad when he left. He brought no dress suit, for one thing, not even a dinner jacket, and he wore very low collars with big balloon ties like a Frenchman, and let his hair grow longer than was nice, she felt. Not that these things were important, but that she considered them symptoms of something a little disordered. The ties were unnecessarily flowing. For all that, he was an interesting man, and in spite of his eccentricities of dress and so forth, a gentleman. Perhaps, she reflected in her genuinely charitable heart, he had other uses for the twenty guineas, an invalid sister or an old mother to support. She had no notion of the cost of brushes, frames, paints, and canvases. Also she forgave him much for the sake of his beautiful eyes and his eager enthusiasm of manner. So many men of thirty were already blasé. Still, when the visit was over, she felt relieved. She said nothing about his coming a second time, and her husband, she was glad to notice, had likewise made no suggestion. For truth to tell, the way the younger man engrossed the older, keeping him out for hours in the forest, talking on the lawn in the blazing sun, and in the evenings when the damp of dusk came, creeping out from the surrounding woods, all regardless of his age and usual habits, was not quite to her taste. Of course Mr. Sanderson did not know how easily those attacks of Indian fever came back, but David Shirley might have told him. They talked trees from morning to night. It stirred in her the old subconscious trail of dread, a trail that led ever into the darkness of big woods, and such feelings as her early evangelical training taught her were temptings. To regard them in any other way was to play with danger. Her mind, as she watched these two, was charged with curious thoughts of dread she could not understand, yet feared the more on that account. The way they studied that old mangy cedar was a trifle unnecessary, unwise, she felt. It was disregarding the sense of proportion which deity had set upon the world for men's safe guidance. Even after dinner they smoked their cigars upon the low branches that swept down and touched the lawn, until at length she insisted on their coming in. Cedars, she had somewhere heard, were not safe after sundown. It was not wholesome to be too near them. To sleep beneath them was even dangerous though what the precise danger was she had forgotten. The uppest was the tree she really meant. At any rate, she summoned David in, and Sanderson came presently after him. For a long time, before deciding on this peremptory step, she had watched them surreptitiously from the drawing-room window, her husband and her guest. The dusk enveloped them with its damp veil of gauze. She saw the glowing tips of their cigars, and heard the drone of voices. Bats flitted overhead, and big silent moths whirred softly over the rhododendron blossoms. And it came suddenly to her, while she watched, that her husband had somehow altered these last few days. Since Mr. Sanderson's arrival, in fact, a change had come over him, though what it was she could not say. She hesitated, indeed, to search. That was the instinctive dread operating in her. Provided it passed, she would rather not know. Small things, of course, she noticed. Small outward signs. He had neglected the times for one thing, left off his spectacle waistcoats for another. He was absent-minded sometimes, showed vagueness in practical details, where hitherto he had showed decision, and he had begun to talk in his sleep again. 
these and a dozen other small peculiarities came suddenly upon her with the rush of a combined attack they brought with them a faint distress that made her shiver momentarily her mind was startled then confused as her eyes picked out the shadowy figures in the dusk the cedar covering them the forest close at their backs and then before she could think or seek internal guidance as her habit was this whisper muffled and very hurried ran across her brain it's mr sanderson call david in at once and she had done so her shrill voice crossed the lawn and died away into the forest quickly smothered no echo followed it the sound fell dead against the rampart of a thousand listening trees the damp is so very penetrating even in summer she murmured when they came obediently she was half surprised at her open audacity half repentant they came so meekly at her call and my husband is sensitive to fever from the east no please do not throw away your cigars we can sit at the open window and enjoy the evening while you smoke she was very talkative for a moment subconscious excitement was the cause it is so still so wonderfully still she went on as no one spoke so peaceful and the air so very sweet and god is always near to those who need his aid the words slipped out before she realized quite what she was saying yet fortunately in time to lower her voice for no one heard them they were perhaps an instinctive expression of relief it flustered her that she could have said the thing at all sanderson brought her shawl and helped to arrange the chairs she thanked him in her old-fashioned gentle way declining the lamps which he had offered to light they attract the moths and insects so i think the three of them sat there in the gloaming mr bittacy's white moustache and his wife's yellow shawl gleaming at either end of the little horseshoe sanderson with his wild black hair and shining eyes midway between them the painter went on talking softly continuing evidently the conversation begun with his host beneath the cedar mrs bittacy on her guard listened uneasily for trees you see rather conceal themselves in daylight they reveal themselves fully only after sunset. I never know a tree. He bowed here slightly towards the lady, as though to apologize for something he felt she would not quite understand or like, until I've seen it in the night. Your cedar, for instance, looking towards her husband again, so that Mrs. Bittacy caught the gleaming of his turned eyes. I failed with badly at first, because I did it in the morning. You shall see tomorrow what I mean. The first sketch is upstairs in my portfolio. It's quite another tree to the one you bought that view he leaned forward lowering his voice i caught one morning about two o'clock in very faint moonlight in the stars i saw the naked being of the thing you mean that you went out mr sanderson at that hour the old lady asked with astonishment and mild rebuke she did not care particularly for his choice of adjectives either i fear it was rather a liberty to take in another's house perhaps he answered courteously but having chanced to wake, I saw the tree from my window and made my way downstairs. "'It's a wonder-boxer didn't bite you. He sleeps loose in the hall,' she said. "'On the contrary, the dog came out with me.' "'I hope,' he added, "'the noise didn't disturb you, though it's rather late to say so. I feel quite guilty.' His white teeth showed in the dusk as he smiled. The smell of earth and flowers stole in through the window on a breath of wandering air. Mrs. Bittacy said nothing at that moment. "'We both sleep like tops,' put in her husband, laughing." you're a courageous man though sanderson and by jove the picture justifies you few artists would have taken so much trouble though i read once that holman hunt rossetti or someone of that lot painted all night in his orchard to get an effect of moonlight that he wanted he chattered on his wife was glad to hear his voice it made her feel more easy in her mind but presently the other held the floor again and her thoughts grew darkened and afraid instinctively she feared the influence on her husband 
the mystery and wonder that lie in the woods in forests in great gatherings of trees everywhere seemed so real and present while he talked the night transfigures all things in a way he was saying but nothing so searchingly as trees from behind a veil that sunlight hangs before them in the day they emerge and show themselves even buildings do that in a measure but trees particularly in the daytime they sleep at night they wake they manifest turn active live you remember turning politely again in the direction of his hostess how clearly henley understood that that socialist person you mean asked the lady her tone and accent made the substantive sound criminal it almost hissed the way she uttered it the poet yes replied the artist tactfully the friend of stevenson you remember stevenson who wrote those charming children's verses he quoted in a low voice the lines he meant it was for once the time the place and the setting all together the words floated out across the lawn towards the wall of blue darkness where the big forest swept the little garden with its league-long curve that was like the shoreline of a sea a wave of distant sound that was like surf accompanied his voice as though the wind was fain to listen to not to the starting day for all the importunate questionings he pursues in his big violent voice shall those mild things of bulk and multitude the trees god's sentinels yield of their huge unutterable selves but at the word of the ancient sacerdotal night night of many secrets whose effect transfiguring hierophantic dread themselves alone may fully apprehend they tremble and are changed in each the uncouth individual soul looms forth in glooms essential and their bodily presences touched with inordinate significance wearing the darkness like a livery of some mysterious and tremendous guild they brood they menace they appall the voice of mrs bittacy presently broke the silence that followed i like that part about god's sentinels she murmured there was no sharpness in her tone it was hushed and quiet the truth so musically uttered muted her shrill objections though it had not lessened her alarm her husband made no comment his cigar she noticed had gone out and old trees in particular continued the artist as though to himself have very definite personalities you can offend wound please them the moment you stand within their shade you feel whether they come out to you or whether they withdraw he turned abruptly towards his host you know that singular essay of prentice mulford's no doubt god in the trees extravagant perhaps but yet with a fine true beauty in it you've never read it no he asked but it was mrs bittacy who answered her husband keeping his curious deep silence it fell like a drip of cold water from the face muffled in the yellow shawl even a child could have supplied the remainder of the unspoken thought ah said sanderson gently but there is god in the trees god in a very subtle aspect and sometimes i have known the trees express it too that which is not god dark and terrible have you ever noticed too how clearly trees show what they want choose their companions at least how beeches for instance allow no life too near them birds or squirrels in their boughs nor any growth beneath the silence in the beech wood is quite terrifying often and how pines like bilberry bushes at their feet and sometimes little oaks all trees making a clear deliberate choice and holding firmly to it some trees obviously it's very strange and marked seem to prefer the human the old lady sat up crackling for this was more than she could permit her stiff silk dress emitted little sharp reports we know she answered that he was said to have walked in the garden in the cool of the evening the gulp betrayed the effort that it cost her but we are nowhere told that he hid in the trees or anything like that trees after all we must remember are only large vegetables true 
was the soft answer but in everything that grows has life that is there's mystery past all finding out the wonder that lies hidden in our own souls lies also hidden i venture to assert in the stupidity and silence of a mere potato the observation was not meant to be amusing it was not amusing no one laughed on the contrary the words conveyed in too literal a sense the feeling that haunted all that conversation each one in his own way realized with beauty with wonder with alarm that the talk had somehow brought the whole vegetable kingdom nearer to that of man some link had been established between the two it was not wise with that great forest listening at their very doors to speak so plainly the forest edged up closer while they did so and mrs bittacy anxious to erupt the horrid spell broke suddenly in upon it with a matter-of-fact suggestion she did not like her husband's prolonged silence stillness he seemed so negative so changed david she said raising her voice i think you're feeling the dampness it's grown chilly the fever comes so suddenly you know and it might be wise to take the tincture i'll go and get it dear at once it's better and before he could object she had left the room to bring the homeopathic dose that she believed in and that to please her he swallowed by the tumbler full from week to week and the moment the door closed behind her sanderson began again though now in a quite different tone mr bittacy sat up in his chair the two men obviously resumed the conversation the real conversation interrupted beneath the cedar and left aside the sham one which was so much dust merely thrown in the old lady's eyes trees love you that's the fact he said earnestly your service to them all these years abroad has made them know you know me made them yes he paused a moment then added made them aware of your presence aware of a force outside themselves that deliberately seeks their welfare don't you see by jove sanderson this put into plain language actual sensations he had felt yet had never dared to phrase in words before they get into touch with me as it were he ventured laughing at his own sentence yet laughing only with his lips exactly was the quick emphatic reply they seek to blend with something they feel instinctively to be good for them helpful to their essential beings encouraging to their best expression their life good lord sir bittacy heard himself saying but you're putting my own thoughts into words do you know i've felt something like that for years as though he looked round to make sure his wife was not there then finished the sentence as though the trees were after me amalgamate seems the best word perhaps said sanderson slowly they would draw you to themselves good forces you see always seek to merge evil to separate that's why good in the end must always win the day everywhere the accumulation in the long run becomes overwhelming evil tends to separation dissolution death the comradeship of trees their instinct to run together is a vital symbol trees in a mass are good alone you may take it generally are well dangerous look at a monkey puzzler or better still a holly look at it watch it understand it did you ever see more plainly an evil thought made visible they're wicked beautiful too oh yes there's a strange miscalculated beauty often in evil that cedar then not evil no but alien rather cedars grow in forests all together the poor things drifted that is all they were getting rather deep sanderson talking against time spoke so fast it was too condensed bittacy hardly followed that last bit his mind floundered among his own less definite less sordid thoughts till presently another sentence from the artist startled him into attention again that cedar will protect you here though because you both have humanized it by your thinking so lovingly of its presence the others can't get past it as it were 
"'Protect me?' he exclaimed. "'Protect me from their love?' Sanderson laughed. "'We're getting rather mixed,' he said. "'We're talking of one thing in the terms of another, really. "'But what I mean is, you see, "'that their love for you, their awareness of your personality and presence, "'involves the idea of winning you across the border, into themselves, "'into their world of living. "'It means, in a way, taking you over.' The ideas the artist started in his mind ran furious, wild races to and fro. It was like a maze sprung suddenly into movement. The whirling of the intricate lines bewildered him. They went so fast, leaving but half an explanation of their goal. He followed first one, then another, but a new one always dashed across to intercept before he could get anywhere. "'But India,' he said presently in a lower voice, "'India is so far away from this little English forest.' The trees, too, are utterly different, for one thing. The rustle of skirts warned of Mrs. Bittacy's approach. This was a sentence he could turn round another way in case she came up and pressed for explanation. There is communion among trees all the world over, was the strange, quick reply. They always know. They always know, you think, then? The winds, you see, the great swift carriers. They have their ancient rights of way about the world. An easterly wind, for instance, carrying on stage by stage, as it were, linking dropped messages and meanings from land to land like birds and easterly wind. Mrs. Bittacy swept in upon them with the tumbler. "'There, David,' she said. "'That will ward off any beginnings of attack. Just a spoonful, dear. Oh, oh, not all!' For he had swallowed half the contents at a single gulp as usual. "'Another dose before you go to bed, and the balance in the morning, first thing when you wake.' She turned to her guest, who put the tumbler down for her upon a table at his elbow. She had heard them speak of the east wind. She emphasized the warning she had misinterpreted. The private part of the conversation came to an abrupt end. "'It is the one thing that upsets him more than any other in east wind,' she said, "'and I'm glad, Mr. Sanderson, to hear you think so, too.'" End of chapter 2